Seattle Sports Station presents the K.J. Wright Show. The ball is intercepted. K.J. Wright reaches up about 13 feet in the air. Number 15. Now every Wednesday with Brock and Saul. How y'all like that? Brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. All right, he's here in the flesh, the great K.J. Wright. How you doing, man? Real good, real good. How you doing? We're doing great. Uh, K.J. Wright show is presented by Muckleshoot Casino, and thank you to uh, everybody there. Um, what do you think? Where, first of all, where were you on Sunday? You're not? Yeah. <laughs> game one, you were at the game. Mm-hmm. Now they're on the road. You're not a player anymore. Yeah. Where'd you watch the game? Game two, I was in Vancouver, Canada hmm. with the Canadians. Okay. We had a uh, 12 North tour. And so went up there for the weekend, watched some Canadian high school football, you know, got on the waterfront that Saturday and had a big time watch party. It's like 3,000 people there to watch the Seahawks versus 49ers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, one too much hand, you know, one too much clapping and cheering, but they, they were there. You get some poutine? I have no idea what that is. You don't know what poutine is? Well, that's like what you get when you go to Canada. It's French <laughs> fries with gravy and uh, cheese curds. No, I had a Joppa dog, though. What's that? A Japanese hot dog. I'm oh, assuming. how was yeah. that? It was really good. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, Canada was good. It was good. All right. Both of those things sound better than what we saw on the field. <laughs> so, KJ, I know, I, I, I know it as a former player. When you're just kind of removed, you've been so close to it. Yeah. So, emotionally, take me into, you know, you're up in Canada eating good food. Take me into what we saw. I was living on, I was living on Sunday. I was I was very, very upset. And when you look at the game, last week I said, out of all the years Coach Carroll has coached the Seattle football team, this year he has got to be on point. And when I watched Coach Carroll last week, I felt like last week when he played the Broncos, he took that game very personal. I felt like he made that game about Coach Carroll. And in turn, when you made the game personal, when you make it about Coach Carroll, what happens when you win that game? You take a big sigh of relief like, ah, I did it. And internally, when I looked at that football team, I looked at a football team that felt like they arrived. I felt like a good team that they made it. And when I looked at them, they weren't physically ready. Mentally, they were not there. And I felt like, Coach Carroll, you've been around this for a long time, right? You cannot put that message out to my validation, talking about all the former players, because internally, your team hears that. And I felt like when you turn on the tape on Sunday, you saw a team that was not ready to go. So you just quickly, you do hear that stuff as a player? You you know what your coach is saying in the media? Absolutely. And he he preaches the message during the week. He preaches the message during the week and after the game. Hmm. And so when you feel that, you have that that lack of urgency. If you're coming off a loss or if you just make it all about the the Broncos, not about just one player, that's what happens. Internally, you play a Niners that's that's hungry, that's coming off a loss, and you get punched in the mouth. He admitted some of that. When we talked to him on uh, Monday, he, he kind of said as much. I, I felt it. I felt it on Wednesday. You know, we had Wednesday was a walkthrough practice because it's the short week. Uh, Thursday, we bounced back and had a nice day on Thursday relative to Wednesday. I felt like I couldn't wait to get back on the field on Thursday because I knew Wednesday just didn't feel right. And uh, so, and then Friday was pretty clean, which the guys, the guys were doing stuff right. But... Um, I, I, you, know, you could kind of tell that we were still a little bit foggy, and, and uh, unfortunately, um, and I, I mean, I'm, I'll tell you, me too. You know, I, I carried that game. That was a big win, and, and we had a lot of fun on that thing. And, and uh, I need to do better too. You know, if I could feel it, then certainly they're feeling it as well. And we needed to overcome it with good play, and we didn't. That's why I love him so much. Coach Carroll, way to hold yourself accountable. He knew it. He knew that he made that game so magnified, so big. They're chanting Geno's name in the stands. They thought they won the freaking Super Bowl on Monday night. And internally, what happens? 
you just get a little comfortable. Oh, we got a big time win. No, you got <laughs> a win. You got 16 more to go, coach. And so I'm glad that he admitted that because I looked at him like, this is Sunday. I'm nervous. I told you all last week, I'm nervous yeah. for Sunday. I am really nervous because it's human nature. You have a young team, um, not much experience. And as a coach, you have got to keep their focus on point. Got to keep the focus on point. And he, and he dropped the ball last do you, week. And do I think you he think, knows that. I know Brock wants to jump in on this, but let me just ask, do you think that's harder for Pete than other coaches? And I was talking about this with Brock on Monday and trying to figure out, okay, how do you, how do you not avoid what you just said? How do you keep it so that you don't have the emotional letdown after that big win? And I wonder whether you have to be a Bill Belichick type where you're constantly preaching all the time. Every game's the same. Pete's all about emotion. Coach Carroll does a phenomenal job. But if they don't play Russell their first game, I believe that it's just fine. Hmm. Right, because he always preaching championship opportunity. Every game is a championship opportunity. And if he does not play Russell week one, Monday Night Football, the <laughs> whole world is watching, I believe that the uh, results are better versus the Niners. And so he does a phenomenal job of preaching the same message, same message. But last week, mm-mm, he, mm-mm, he, he, he dropped the ball last week. So that guy sitting next to you, uh, KJ, one of the one of I think his strengths, Salk's strengths, and and he's been consistent with this for 14 years, is he doesn't try to get in players' heads. He thinks that's unfair. Can you be critical of execution and production? Yes. So the start of our show. Message on top of that, it makes life a little more easier going into that week. You don't have the same attention to detail, and so I knew I knew going to this game. And you look at the Niners, got embarrassed by the Bears. Um, on their home, on their home court, and um, in San Francisco, this game could get a little scary. You know, it's interesting too uh, when you hear Quandre Diggs afterwards say that they got humbled, right? I mean, he kind of mentioned that word and and sort of speaks to it. Were there things on the field you saw that were indicative of a team that was not as focused as they needed to be? Absolutely. You just look. At the, it all starts with the line of scrimmage. I looked at the line of scrimmage, and um, you know, Brock. I heard him talk about it early. I'm looking at my D line. I'm like, guys, we're in this defense. First of all, they're either climbing up to the linebackers or they're getting doubled and nobody's coming to the party. And so I looked at the team. that I looked at my D-line and my offensive line as well. Like, guys, we got to win the line of scrimmage. It's Niners versus Seahawks. We got to win the line of scrimmage. And um, I just saw a team that wasn't quite lasered in to get ready for a really tough matchup. (laughs) I saw it. They was not ready mentally for a really physical football game. You know what I love having a linebacker in here? We got a linebacker on the afternoon show, right? Dave Wyman, awesome. Mm-hmm. He gives us that perspective. And Dave would say all the time he how much he loved playing behind the big butt of Cortez Kennedy. And that guy would just eat up to and free him up to do his job. KJ, I hadn't necessarily thought of it in that way as a linebacker. Yeah. Certainly a QB looks at his old line like, come on, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need, I need, g- give me a second here. All right, give me a little push. Give me yeah. a little uh, – very often did you, as a linebacker at that second level, look to your D lineman right there and go, come on, boys. Man, Brock, one of my worst, of my worst years I had as a linebacker, my three technique was Sheldon Richardson. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. This man refused to take on a lineman. He refused to take on a double team. And literally every single play, a lineman was climbing up to him. I'm like, hey, bro, can you at least push him? Can you at least hold him up for a second so I could come to the party? Defensive linemen, really good defensive linemen, make life very easy for a linebacker. They make life. That's why we buy them. Like Coach Norris used to tell me, hey, we used to buy our guys cowboy boots. Um, <laughs> what was it the Cowboys? D linemen, you take care of your linebackers and vice versa. And so um, they make life easy and they make life hard for a linebacker. Is that the year you guys lost to Jacksonville? 
Remember that game you lost to Jacksonville? In Jacksonville? I think so. They just they just out physical. They just beat you physically. Was he there that year? I think it I don't know. That's the one time I remember watching the team going, man. They're, they're getting beat at their own game. I think it was Jacksonville, Tennessee, a couple of teams yeah. that all just kind of – was that that year? And we didn't make the playoffs. That was probably the year he was there because we didn't make the playoffs that year. There you go. And I got knocked out that game. Too. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, like like you said, with this new defensive line, you got Big Al, who's the probably the only one up front that is playing like a monster. Big Al Woods is, is handling his business. I need the rest of the fellas to come join the party. Come, because come when join they, the party, fellas. When they play that three down, KJ, again, man, I'll, I'll Bro, We're going to take a quick break. We, oh, we do? We'll, oh, we'll oh, come oh, back okay, to that. Okay, okay. We're going to take a quick break. Okay, we'll come right back. Fast. I know with KJ, you're just like, I want to keep going. With you, I can't wait to take a break. With KJ, Whoa. no, we got to take a real quick break, um, but we'll come back and we'll finish up this conversation. And then we got about a million other things. We got to talk tackling. Mm. We got to talk about what's going on in Denver. I got to ask you about a Seahawk that we don't, an old Seahawk, an ex Seahawk, that we don't talk about nearly enough. And he kind of fits right into the conversation that you just started. So we'll do okay. that next. It's KJ Wright on with Brock and Salk here on Seattle Sports on 710 seattlesports.com. This hour driven by Wayscar Fork. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. I swear, Brock, by the end of this year, KJ's going to want to do radio full time. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about parenting. And he's like, oh, I got stuff to say about that. Like, yeah. That's kind of how this goes. Once you get yep. into it, you kind of get the bug. No, you start no, talking no. about everything. How how is parenting? Parenting is good. It's hard. It's good. Yeah, I just, I just gotta find. Um, I just get so you know things get to me. I just got a way to woo saw calm down. I'm trying to deliver my message. Okay. And um, I'm getting better. Okay. I'm getting better. All right. Uh, KJ Wright, of course, with us uh, every uh, every Wednesday here from eight to nine. We we're talking through, you know, the importance of those guys in the defensive line. It was dawning on me. We talked last week, and Gene and I have had this conversation about guys who have left here and and succeeded. There yeah. haven't been many, right? The Seahawks have been mm-hmm. essentially accurate on everyone who they've made a call on and said. You don't really have enough left, right? Yeah. I mean, Sherm left, didn't do much. Earl didn't do much. Um, I didn't do much. KJ, unfortunately, <laughs> didn't do much in, in uh, his one year away. Um, we kind of go through it. They're just, they, they've been pretty accurate on those. Yeah. Dwayne Brown just got hurt. Yeah. Uh, the, they were wrong about Max Unger. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they were wrong about Brandon Meebane. And, and that one Absolutely. jumped out to me when you're talking about the importance of those guys up front. How underrated or underappreciated was he in those great Seahawks defenses? Mebane was the man up front. I remember my rookie year when I first came here, uh, Mebane was holding out. And uh, David Hawthorne, he, we wasn't looking too good in training camp. And uh, he came up to me and said, hey, we're not looking too good, but wait till Mebane get back. I'm like, who the who is, who is Mebane? Like, who the heck is Mebane? And I kid you not, from the time I got there to his last year there, Mebane controlled that defensive line and controlled everything up front. Extremely intellectual. He, he knew where the, where the run was going. And you could see penetration, hmm. getting up the field, making TFLs. And he just had a real net and just for the football, for the for the game, absolutely phenomenal player. And I talked to Mebane yesterday, and we just talked about for about 45 minutes. We were talking about the Seahawks. We were talking about him. He want to come on He want to come on the radio show. So awesome <laughs> teammate, one of my mentors throughout my time in Seattle, and I absolutely love that dude. Let's do that next week. Let's get him on. Uh, uh, he's dur- serious. All right, let's, we'll see if yeah. we can do Does he wake up early enough to do this? I, I'm going to tell him. We All right. We he's got to be up by 830. That's <laughs> the rules. Early, yeah. All right. <laughs> Hey, KJ, I want to get to tackling here in a second, but you just answering that question just struck another one, a question that I ask my college coaches in our production meeting all the time. Give me a couple unsung guys. 
Right, I could see mm-hmm. the production. Uh, we know the star stories get written about them, but who are the glue? Who are some of the unsung guys? You just said there, Mebane was such a, a figure in that way over mm-hmm. your decade in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Who are a couple other guys as you look in the rearview mirror now and go, man, they didn't get the notoriety, but they were some unsung heroes and dudes on our team. I'll tell you, one of my favorite teammates was Breno Giacomini. Mm. Breno just brought a mentality to the offensive line, we're going to be nasty. We're going to be gritty. We're going to be borderline dirty. <laughs> but, but hey, we're going to set the tone early in this football game. Is that how you felt during training camp? Absolutely. That you loved him? No, 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 no. <laughs> Didn't love him during camp, but I know that. I know that on Sundays, I want Breno Giacomini on my football team. And what happens, what happens, Rock, when those guys leave the building, when a Bang leaves the building, when a Breno leaves, you just you just lose that, that sense of grit on your football team, and it shows on Sunday. And so the unfortunate part about Mebane and why he left, he wasn't asking for too much. I'm not sure what his salary was. He wasn't trying to break the bank. But when he left, you just saw a big hole was in our defense for a very, very long time. Yeah, he was such a stud. Okay, question as far as tackling goes. Is it innate or is it learned? A combination of both. A combination of both. I believe that um, – it's, it's, tackling is an art. It, it is an art, and you have to learn how to properly tackle near foot, near shoulder, and at the same time, and Nate, you just have to have say that, that again. Near foot, near shoulder. Near is that foot, you said? near shoulder. I need what does that mean? Near foot, and your near shoulder on that running back's or quarterback's body part, and so eyes to the thighs. That's what I call it, especially with the bigger eyes to the thighs. I need my shoulder and my near foot attacking that running back. Right, because what happens? You want to put the opposite foot up because what happens? He crosses. Let's say he crosses over and runs. Your hip is locked. If that makes sense, I, I can. Yeah. You want to demonstrate in there on yeah, camera? Yeah, I, I got to do a commercial break. No, we're good. Thank you. And, and um, getting tackled by KJ. And, uh, Appreciate it. It's, it's Not truly a helmet. It's truly an art. But when I was looking at my Seahawks on freaking um, Sunday. Granted, it was raining and wet. But man, it was just poor tackling. Like hmm. guys, you—they'll hit a guy and hit you. They'll just fall right off of him. Like, what are you doing? And so, very unfortunate that these first two weeks have been poor tackling. It can be fixed. It is getting addressed. I know it's getting addressed. Well, what do you do then? Because the preseason was terrible. Preseason yeah. was worse. Yeah. Game one was okay. Game two, as you said, was messy down there. Yeah. What do you What do you do on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? You do two things. First of all, you show it in the team meeting room. You show it. You show the missed tackles. Hey. Right here, we're in the open field. I need this from you, Quandre. Hey, we're right here, uh, Cody Barton. I need this from you when we're in this position. This is what I need from you. And you show it and you address guys because guys don't like getting embarrassed in front of their teammates. Mm. You call a guy in front of his team, oh, he goes start tightening up. So that's the first thing you do. Second thing you do is on the practice field, you work tackling during individual. You work open field tackling and you work just um, tight tackling. And so it has got to be drilled in these guys' heads. They have to physically get back to square one because if they don't, it's going to continue to get up. Best tackler you played with was? Outside of my – I was pretty good. I'm not trying to just – I was a pretty good tackler. Yeah. I was a very good tackler. Right, no one's doubting that. Yes. No, we, you're, looking at me, you're looking at me funny. I'm he was not, like, yeah. No, I agree with you. KJ is always a very good tackler. But the best tackler was, I heard you say Lawyer Malloy earlier. He was phenomenal. But there was another safety mm. that was a bad, bad man by the name of Cam Chancellor. <laughs> bad, bad man. And when he hits you, you just, you stopped in your tracks. He came out of his hips. And he didn't miss tackles either. He didn't miss tackles. Earl was great as well. Earl was one of the best from coming from 30 yards deep. Bullseye target. I got my bullseye. Tackle. 
phenomenal. And there was one year Bobby. It was so many. I mean, that's that's such a loaded question. Well, that's why it's a hard question. Yeah. I was. I thought you might go Bobby. There was one year Bobby missed zero tackles. I mean, that's pretty good. Zero tackles out of and he made a hundred and fifty. <laughs> and so, I'm gonna and I'm gonna guess the combination with Cam and Bobby is you're talking about two guys who have a muscle mass and a speed quotient that's different than 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 most at that position. And certainly for for Bobby, middle linebacker, and Cam mm-hmm. had so much size. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna guess KJ. They were also on top of those details you just talked about. Details. The deal is in the details, and they took. The the meeting room, they took the practice and they brought it to the games. Go look at Cam's biggest hits. Go look at all his great tackles, near foot, near shoulder, coming out of his hips, and the guy is getting to the ground. Just look at Bobby made his tackle. He's staying square in, in the in the hole, aggressive, getting the guy down. And so these guys put on the clinic, clinic tape. And if you need to go back, I remember Cosette, he would show rugby tapes. We would go watch rugby players and how they tackled. Because they had to be smart. They couldn't put their head in the game because right. they don't have helmets. And so if they need to get back to square one. I'm not sure who is the coach that's responsible for it, but they just need to get back to the basic with these you guys. You know what else is a great tackler? Sherm. Especially I for the Sherm. position. I wasn't, I, would not, I wasn't sure where you were going to go with the question because, all right, he's not coming up with the huge, you know, lay you out hits like Cam did. But as a as a guy who had to see, you have to set the edge as a corner in Pete's system, right? Mm-hmm. And what happened? Who's better at that than Sherm? Sherm was phenomenal. He he was clinic for for what we talking about, and he made his tackles. He may get hit. He may fall backwards, but the guy is going down. Could he have played safety? Mm-mm. Couldn't have done it. Mm-mm. I know. I know. He talked about it. Um, as I get older, I'm gonna go play safety. No. Just not big enough? No, it's safeties. They they move. They have a certain mm. movement to them, a movement skill. And with the open, you know, those tackles Earl made in the open fields, it's Sherman is a corner. Let's get down to He's a <laughs> Hall of Fame, first ballot, gold jacket corner, period. Who was it who made that switch? Was it Rod Woodson yep. at the end of his career? And Charles right? Woodson did it, too. And Charles, Charles. Woodson did, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just guys who eventually made that move. It's an interesting one. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll uh, be right back. We got more here coming with K.J. Wright. This hour is driven by Wayscar Ford. Uh, we want to talk to you about not just what's going on here, but a little bit of what happened in Denver over the weekend because – in all of our combined years of watching football, none of us have seen what the crowd did in Denver on mm. Sunday. Maybe maybe you've seen it. We'll ask KJ about that next. It is Brock and Salk with KJ here on Seattle Sports on 710 SeattleSports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. All right, we do have a chance for you guys to win tickets, but you have to have been listening. We're not just giving this away to anybody. You got to have been listening to KJ here for the last little while. So we got tickets to see uh, the Seahawks and Falcons this Sunday at Lumen Field. I'll be there. You know who I'm bringing, Brock? My kids. Nice. Taking my kids to the game this weekend. Kind of excited about that. My wife is, of course, skipping town, so I am going to. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 watch your mouth. Yeah. Watch your mouth, Salt. No, she doesn't. You she have does. summer of salt. I know. She leaves. <laughs> you have three weeks all to yourself. No, Golf twice a day. <laughs> That's true. She, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that she, she is leaving again. She's going with her friends to have some fun, so I got the kids. <laughs> He's salty. He's salty. I'm not salty. I think she should. I'm, you know, not jealous or salty at all. It's totally fine. Um, so here we go. We're going to give away these tickets to the first person uh, who calls us at 866-979-3776, who can tell us what player other than Brandon Mebane, KJ said, was a glue guy 
for the great Seahawks teams that went to the Super Bowl. Cool? I like it. Who was the other glue guy that mm-hmm. KJ mentioned besides Brandon Meebane? So we will hold on a minute. We'll wait before we open up the phones in order to give everybody who's listening online an opportunity because we know you're delayed a little bit, and we don't want to punish you for being delayed. It's not your fault. We appreciate <laughs> you listening on the app, Seattle Sports app. Or on uh, SeattleSports.com, the application. Sometimes I go formal with it, Brock. In fact, I was going to call KJ Kenneth a little bit today, kind of see what happens. Does anybody call you Kenneth? Whoa, whoa. No one. No one. No one. Everyone calls you KJ. Sherm calls me Ken. Okay. That's that's, that's as far as it goes. Okay. (laughs) Ken is as far as it goes. (laughs) People with nicknames like that, I don't know, like, do you know what? Do you know Marcellus Wiley? Yeah, on TV, yeah. Everybody calls yeah. him Dad Dude. Dad Dude yeah. I don't know him well enough, and so I always feel super uncomfortable. Like, I'm not going to call him that. People actually call him that. Yes. Like, people like, and, and I would work with him in ESPN sometimes. People would be like, hey, what's, and they'd say his nickname. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I just don't know him well enough. I wouldn't enough. do that either. Right? Not Dad Dude. Right. That feels like something you got to have some familiarity yeah, for. Yeah, that's out. Okay. You're Marcellus. <laughs> I agree. Anyway, 866-979-3776. We'll give that to the first person who can tell us uh, the other glue guy that KJ was talking hey, about. Uh, before we get to the debacle in Denver and what's happening there with our old friend and, and everything else, I do want to ask you this just football question, KJ. And and you can you know just lay, lay it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint Hurt, D coordinator, first-time D coordinator, first-time play caller on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm was very clear this offseason. I think he even joined Salk and talked about how aggressive this defense was going to be. Here was Clint Hurt this summer. The one thing that is going to be significantly different this year, we are going to be aggressive. We want that. The aggressiveness is going to have to come from our players, our guys up front getting after the passer, um, continuing on being strong in the run game like we have been in the last few years. You know, But we want to be the mentality of the defense that we want to have, and our players respond to that. You know, with that mentality, obviously that comes into one, how you coach it, and two, how you call it. You know, so the aggressiveness and attacking offenses, but at the same time challenging the quarterback, all right, and making it hard on him, not just with our rush, but also with coverage um, is where we're going to be, and that's where we want to make big improvements at. Kind of like a baseball team that doesn't hit. It's it's hard sometimes to to see how aggressive they are, their mindset. And when their tackling is a struggle, it's been all preseason, first two games. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take it out of the the mindset, and I'm going to take it more to the calling of the game, just the schematic calling. Do you see them being more aggressive this season? Yeah, because here's the thing. When I hear the word aggressive, I hear blitzing, Mm. and I hear getting the D lineman on stunts versus the run game. Right, and the only person that I see doing a stunt during the game is Chenna. He's the only one that I see crashing into that C gap, getting movement, timing up the snap count to get penetration. He's the only one I see doing that. And we talk about blitzing. I do believe that he is blitzing. I do believe that he's calling stuff, but it's pre- but the thing is, it's predictable blitzes. Mm. It's third and seven. You know it's coming. And even in on the um the touchdown to that tight end, they blitz on that play. And when you blitz. Your guys have to be on point to cover it on the back end. And so is he being aggressive? He can be better with the D-line stunts. But blitzing, I want to see some like second and nine. Some after after a round, I see some second and nine. You know, let's let's blitz here, but not the predictable blitzes when everyone knows. It's you have to get him to second and nine first, though, by you the way. You, <laughs> you got to stop him on first down. And, and how much of that comes down to just as Pete's got to trust the tackles, these rookie tackles. He said as much at his presser Monday. Mm-hmm. Got to trust these rookie tackles. We've got to be, I got to let Gino go. I got to let him be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. How much of that from a defensive playing calling standpoint is trusting your rookie corners? 
Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. You you want to find a way to take pressure off those guys. You want to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback so that it does take pressure off the corners. The ball needs to come out quick, right? You got Mike Jack. You got Willen out there. The ball needs to start coming out way quicker so they can be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And so if you start dialing it up, it creates stuff. Like something's going to happen, whether it's good <laughs> or whether it's bad. Something's going to happen. And so you don't want to just sit back and just, you know, be on your heels. So you want to get these guys attacking. I'm looking for Jordan Brooks. I don't think he's had a blitz. This, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't, I haven't seen him. Like I've seen Cody Barton, mm-hmm. uh, but you saw Cody got a sack against um, Russell. Yep. I saw him blitz a few times or San Fran, but I need to see Jordan Brooks get going because he has the physical capabilities. But if he's just sitting back there taking on linemen every play, you're not using his skill set to the best of his ability. You like Woolen? I love Woolen. And I love Mike Jack, too. Yeah. yeah. He's played pretty well. Yeah. I, I love, I, I'm telling you, the foundation is very good. And both those corners have played pretty good. I'm looking at Kobe Bryant, and um, he's learning. <laughs> he's, he's in that nickel. First of all, let's, let everyone understand this. The nickel spot is not, the, <clears throat> is not an easy position to play. You're out there in space. you got to make a lot of open field tackles. You're going against a slot receiver who can run option routes on you. The nickel spot position is challenging, and so he has to grow. He has to develop. He has to make those plays when they come to him, and so he's going to be good, but right now, it's a learning curve for him. Did you figure out what they're doing in the red zone yet? You said last week you were going to figure it out. Nope. So you couldn't get it out of Sherm either, huh? Nope. I need to I need to go watch the All-22. I just got <laughs> yep. the NFL Plus package or whatever. Yep. Yeah, so I got to pay for film now. But uh, <laughs> I'm on the other side. I got to pay to watch film. <laughs> That's an insult right there, I know, I know. So I need to go and watch the actual <laughs> film to see what they're doing. <laughs> Never had to pay for film a damn. How upsetting is that? Film was a was something you had to do. Now you got to pay for it. No, I'm on the other side now. It comes with the territory. That's really funny. It's all good. Hey, uh, speaking of the other side, have you ever heard anything like what we all saw and heard in Denver over the weekend? So Russell, first of all, booed by his home crowd in Mm. addition to his old home crowd, Mm. and then after a couple more uh, delay of game calls. The crowd decided to try to help, I guess. With the fans counting down the play clock, Wilson stumbles, goes down, gets back up, and now he's taken down. Wow. Wow. You ever I, heard that? I've never heard that. <laughs> They're counting down. I'm, who's counting down? I remember in the NBA, they count down for Giannis when he shoots his free throws. The opposing the crowd. The opposing team. Right. Not your home team telling you to get a snap off before it hits zero. Right. That's a reflection of, once again, of the play caller. Get the play out. Call the play. It's, you, it's, it's right there in front of your face. Just call the play. And it's a reflection of the quarterback. Hey, we need this. This is We practice this. This is chemistry. Hmm. This is a chemistry thing that we need to get better at. And so um, that is very embarrassing. It's getting booed twice and, you know. Home in a way that's that's not good. So help me. So when when for the for years I would get on the Seahawks coaching staff for all of the wasted timeouts in the second half. I thought it was ridiculous. Issues getting the play call in, mm-hmm. burn timeouts and stuff that that you really need in close games in the second half. So far this year, <laughs> yeah. the Seahawks haven't burned timeouts. They have not had delay of game calls. Okay, and those have traveled to Denver. Where both of those things have happened. Have I been wrong all these years in blaming the coach? Is it more on the quarterback? It's a combination. No, no, no. It's a combination of both. Okay. It's a combination of both. First of all, as you take it from a defensive standpoint. Sometimes the offense will be lined up, about ready to snap the ball, and we don't even have a play. 
And we're sitting there looking to the sideline. We're looking at Bobby like, what's the play? <laughs> Give me the play. And so the play has to come out. The play has to come come from the play caller. And you look at Hackett. He has, he has to manage the whole game. He has to call the plays. He has to know when to challenge. He has to know the situation. So he has a lot on his plate. Mm-hmm. But, man, this is football. This is the pros. If it's too much, then get out the kitchen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, hand the responsibility to someone else. And so um, it's pretty, I'm not going to say embarrassing, but they, they, this is not good. It's not good enough. You got to be efficient. You got to be smooth because you have a talented offense, but if you don't use them to their capability, it can continue to get ugly. How does the locker room handle that, KJ, from your experience? I love, we played that Pete sound, and you're like, yeah, Pete, that's tell the truth. That's accountability. Mm-hmm. That's taking ownership of it. When you had some challenges yeah. with that, and you would see that as a team, and you knew, mm-hmm. hey, man, coaches kind of blew this. They didn't get the call in, called the wrong call. Mm-hmm. Uh, Could, couldn't get a, a punt returner out on fourth and 13 mm-hmm. and had to call a not, their last time out. How's the locker room handle right. that? It's all depending on what's the message on Tell the Truth Monday. What is this coach saying? Is he saying, guys, I got to do better? I got to do a better job. Or is he like, guys, you know, this player needs to be out here. We got to get the ball out. No, we starting with you. Tell us where you have to get better at as a head coach because everything starts from the top down, and then we can go from there. So whatever message Hackett is preaching to the team, if he's saying, I got to do better, they can have his back. Well, here's a little of Hackett talking uh, to the media. Um, when it comes to uh, Russell and I, you know, I think it's it's just going to be a continual growing process. You know, this it's all about Russ. You know, want to be sure that he's comfortable and he's feeling good, and I'm getting the play as fast as I can to him. Um, and we want to do what's right for him. Man, do what's right for the what? Do what's right to win the ball game. Russ is an 11-year Super Bowl champ. He can handle whatever you throw at him. Don't coddle this man. I sound like I hear a lot of coddling in, in, in that press conference. Russ is a grown man who has a lot of experience. If you want to babysit him, you're doing this team a disservice. You're doing this team a big disservice. And so he's talking about we want to do what's right for him. <laughs> What? That's, well, it said that's, it's all about him. It's all about Russ. Oh no! Did he say that? Yeah, it's the I missed that. There. Yeah, you, that was to me the, the KJ. That's what the, that's what the cut is labeled. It's oh. all um, when it comes Russ. to uh, Russell and I. You know, I think it's it's just going to be a continual growing process. You know, this it's all about Russ. You know? <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> that's so bad, Russell. I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> I'm never at a loss for words, but wow. man, this is really bad. And you look at you look at everything from a holistic standpoint. Is he a high maintenance guy? Is he a high maintenance guy? Someone you have to have you have to have this. You have to have that. You have to have your, mas- your massage therapist in there. You have to have your team there. Um, you get on the bus late, whatever it is. Are you a high maintenance guy that we have to put above the team? And if that is, that's very frustrating hmm. from those Denver Broncos players because they had Peyton Manning there. And I'm sure that he was smooth, easygoing. But if you're coming for a guy that needs all of this, that's freaking annoying. Brock, you played with Peyton. Was Mm -hmm. he smooth and easygoing? Uh, Peyton was unbelievably intense, KJ, but he sat right with the lineman. His logger was right in the middle of the lineman, and it was never – he was never bigger than anybody else. He didn't have any of his own people in. He didn't have his own operation in. I mean, this is kind of the danger to me. I said this. You, you talked about human nature a bunch mm-hmm. in, in that game in San Francisco. This is the danger of, like, human nature run wild. Yeah. You can't make it about one guy. Absolutely not. And, and that's not healthy for Russell either. And I'm doing my best because I, I played with the dude. I loved him. But, man, if you just – 
if you just make this about you, what can I get out of it? Your boys won't love you. Your boys won't respect you. And at the end of the day, they won't even play hard for you. You got to just be one with the people. I always say this. You got to be one with the people, right? Just be cool. Be easy going. I saw him screaming the other day, run past and like belligerent. Like, bro, this is this isn't Pop Warner football. What are we doing here? This isn't Pop Warner high school JV football. I could tell if it's a run or a pass. <laughs> well, did he ever do that in Seattle? I, no. I, I, hey, sideline, run a pass. Hey, you got to let him know. Come on, commit to it. You got to let him know. Run a pass. Let's go. Got to let him know. Run a pass. Run a pass. Let him know. 9-6. Let him know. Run a pass. Let him know. Run a pass. Nice and loud. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they screamed it after he screamed it is hilarious to me. It's 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 like I get saying it. Hey, tell him. Hey guys, run a pass. Hey, hey, if you see something, say something. But to be on one thousand, to be belligerent, to be that aggressive, like, hey, bro, I heard you the first time. You don't got to keep coming screaming at me. If he had done that in Seattle, who would have answered that? If he did in Seattle, I would have heard him. Like Russ, I was like, yeah, I hear you, bro. I got you. But if you keep saying it. Like, bro, I got you. Like, we got you. Relax. It feels like there are some guys who are on your defense that wouldn't have handled that particularly nicely. Well, there's the thing. He, he wouldn't have said it there. He, he wouldn't have said it. He just it couldn't. There. There's, there's too many alphas. There's too many guys. Right. And we're good enough to we don't need your help, Sam, if it's running past. So there's, there would be no need for that. And um, you just tell that he was just getting outside of his element. He wanted the game really bad. Hmm. And I felt like he was reaching. Hmm. Like, bro, you're reaching with this, bro. You just just get the ball in the end zone. We can handle our, our part. You ever see him angry? Russ don't get angry. Yeah. No, Russ, mm-mm, like mad. Like no, nah, Russ don't get angry. He gets fired up. He gets, um, you know, you know when you make a big play, but getting mad and angry, like cussing and snapping. No, that's not. You ever seen any other teammates angry? <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've seen a, a handful of guys. I've, I've seen. Do you hand... ever get angry? You don't strike me as a guy who gets angry very often either. Man, one of my, um, I, I do get angry. One of my lowest moments as a player, and um, I was so stupid. I broke my foot the year we won the Super Bowl, and um, I, I threw my helmet. But usually, you throw your helmet down. Mm. I threw my helmet up, Ooh. and I hit somebody. I hit somebody. A teammate. No, it was an athletic trainer. Sheesh. Yeah, that was um. I do get mad, and um, yeah, that was a real stupid low moment for me. So I do get angry. I do get mad. I remember when I uh, tore my knee, and um, I just went, I just went there and just started punching and just hmm. screaming, kicking. So I do get mad. Yeah. Hey, uh, a personal question. Okay, I, you know it's what our third time doing this, so we can kind of stretch it a little. Kenneth, a little you deeper. call him Kenneth when you ask him a personal question. No, I won't, I won't do that. I won't call him <laughs> Ken either. <laughs> Thank you. What was it like? fighting father time it was real it was real and um the older i got the better i had to get in taking care of my body i had to work like triple overtime to take care of myself i I, brock i had to do stuff every single day it was this acupuncture i got three massages a week um in my last year there i got acupuncture i got in the cold tub twice a week um i got stretched i did yoga on tuesdays i had to do literally everything to be ready to go. And I just got stiff. My hips were tight. Ankles were tight. So I had to work overtime to make sure that I was prepared and ready to go. on. And I, and I asked that because, I mean, we're watching, we have watched Russell. Salk and I have watched every snap. We've watched more of Russell 
just as people on the air and and and, and such with such intensity as, as I would argue just about anybody is watch Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and we're watching him right now and he's not running he's not exploding he's not getting out he's he's run I think two times for five yards yeah. in these first two games and you know I I am just curious and they're asking in in Denver they think well he's just got to get in shape. You know, he was on the private plane a lot, and he, he got his deal. And I'm like, I don't think it's about being in shape nor work ethic. I think it is fighting father time. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a fair characterization from what your eyes have seen the first couple of weeks? Because how old is he? He's 30. He'll be 34. He'll be 34 in November. Yeah, 34. And that's that's the number. Is it really the number is over 30? Really, the number is over 30. They start looking at you funny. And absolutely, he's um he's made a lot of money back in his early years by scrambling, running, being Houdini, magical with the football, escaping a lot of sacks with his legs. And so that's the rust that we all love. That's a that's a rough we we all knew. And if he cannot do that, his game is going to have to change. He's going to have to beat teams from the pocket. And the question is, can he do that? What's your favorite rust play? I mean, we've sort of bagged on Russ a little bit over the last few weeks, but it's some of it's a little unfair. What What is your favorite play you ever saw Russ make? Favorite play Russ made, the first play to come to my mind is in Arizona. Um, he escaped Chandler Jones spinning around and just threw the ball up. And we're looking like, man, what this man doing? And Doug Baldwin, Doug Baldwin made a phenomenal catch and almost got to the end zone. That's one of them. And just really any time that he just stood back there, scrambled, and just made all these kind of crazy plays. Vikings playoff game, right, with the dropped snap yep, that he ended up slid, scrambling and then got it to lock it. Slid and threw it. He's made so many phenomenal plays. Yeah. But he just did something. That you look at NFL history. NFL history, there's nobody more spectacular than him when it comes to keeping a play alive, making guys miss, and making a big play downfield. Yeah, there's a couple other. It's funny, when you start thinking, I mean, Ross really had some unbelievable mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. here in Seattle. Uh, the play where he rolled to his left against, I think it was the Chiefs, and then hit Lockett on the sideline. That, that was the, the Rams. The that Rams. was the Rams, yep. And Thursday night football. In, yeah, with the green jerseys, right? Mm-hmm. That's a great play. There's one on Monday night in Washington where he scrambled around and then hit Marshawn. That is one of my favorite mm-hmm. plays. Like, just there really were some yeah. remarkable, incredible mm-hmm. moments for Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. But, and but, now, but know. the question is, Mike, in the bet that the Seahawks I made, I wasn't going to give a butt. I was just being nice to Russell. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah, jump in. But the but the the the, the bet the Seahawks made was. Yeah, those aren't happening anymore. Correct. He's got he's got six Correct. rushing yards in two games. So Correct. You're saying, Brock, what you're saying is that they struck once again with the Sherms, the KJs, the um, Goldens, that they got it right as far as timing and it moving seems on. Like it. That's the bet. And Salk put out a little poll. Okay, that kind of alludes to that, right? And, and I don't know if you got the the most recent numbers up as we kind of poll the audience here. The Seahawks made the bet that we can't invest $250 million and $165 million yeah. guaranteed mm. that that level of playmaking, that level of athleticism, that battle with Father Time is still going to exist for the next four, three four 4,100 people have voted 82%. Say the Seahawks dodged a bullet more so than the Seahawks miss Russ. And are they being extremely biased? Yes, of course. They're <laughs> fans. Of course, they're being extremely biased. Yeah. yeah. But we got to make that bet. We got to have an opinion. Like yeah. We got to land on one side or the other. And would you, if that was your paycheck and you're the owners and the owner of the Seattle Seahawks, are you betting, KJ, mm. 
that he is going to, that right now they're just, hey, it's a learning curve. We're going to play between the tackles. We're going to do, I'm going to protect my body, but I still have that card in my back pocket. And mm. if and when I need to play it for the next two to three years, I can still extend plays and be the wizard, as you said, outside the pocket. Because mm-hmm. even, Brock, you saw it in the last year. So I believe that when you look at Seattle, I do believe that they got this one right. Mm-hmm. From a other few standpoints, not the phys- even the physical standpoint, from a other few dynamic team standpoints. And so they signed him, what, five more years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And um, gave up a lot of draft picks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll see how it all plays out. But as of right now, you gave up a lot for a guy that's 33. Phenomenal quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But you gave a lot of draft picks, a lot of money to even pay other guys on your team. Remind me next week that we need to talk to you. I want to talk about the year Russ hurt his leg because and threw from the oh, pocket ankle. and played yeah. through it. And he had the high ankle sprain, played through the whole thing. It's pretty tough what he did. But he did win from the pocket. He did win that way. He did win without running. I got to make sure I ask you about that next week. Mm-hmm. You did say, I, I'd like to read you some of your uh, fan mail here. Um, and we're going to have an Ask KJ hashtag yes. in, in the weeks oh, ahead. Whoa. You can text in. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. We're going to have Brandon <laughs> Meebane at some point if he's up. Meebane wants to and, come on. And we're, oh, good. And we're going to do a hashtag Ask KJ to wow. involve some of you out there, too. There's There are so many of these. God, I love KJ's perspective. KJ's the freaking best. Uh, KJ and Salk would be a great show. Whoa, uh, whoa, I guess Sheldon whoa. Richardson's officially on blast. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, KJ, poutine is what Al Woods dips his Pop-Tarts in. I don't know about that. Uh, KJ just makes the show right. Anyway, there's just a few of uh, a few of the... But you got this. I see if you can guess who sent this to me and you on Twitter. I know you haven't looked yet. Mm-hmm. Hey, Seattle Sports and Mike Salk. I need more KJ Wright. One hour isn't enough. Now, you know, I won't say you know this person, but you know who this is. I'm going to guess Blitz. The, whoa. Did you look at your phone? <laughs> Did you cheat? Hey, man. Did don't you cheat? My spider, I just know things. You just know you and Blitz are on the same page? My phone has been over here the whole time. <laughs> My phone's been over the whole time. Yeah, Blitz, Blitz, Blitz is close. a P. Blitz is a P one. Blitz yeah. listens. He, he likes us. He likes Blitz show. are close. That's my guy. I can see that. That makes sense. You like Blitz more than uh, Tama the Hawk? Who? The Hawk. The, the actual Hawk that flies. I just met Tama the first time. Tama. 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 Um, Tama. Monday night. That's yeah. The first time ever touching her and meeting her. So she's my profile picture. Oh. So, but, so who do you so who do you like better? Say it right now. Who do you prefer, <laughs> Blitz or the Hawk? We I said th- we weren't going to do this to <laughs> no, him and put him on the spot. Good. You were on the spot, KJ. Blitz, Blitz or the Hawk? Blitz is my guy. What about Boom? Do you care about Boom? I don't know who Boom is. That's nah, all right. <laughs> Boom's not very Can relevant. we just say thank you for KJ for bringing yeah. Chick fil A for the, yeah, for the that's whole yes. morning? I was going to try to end it like that, too. This is what Salk does. Yeah. yeah I brought everybody Chick fil A, trying yeah. to get Brown in points. I, I, nicest guy I, ever. Put thank KJ you. on the spot with the hard questions <laughs> yep. like Tama or Blitz. KJ, was thank Tama. you. <laughs> we'll do it next week. You guys it. can uh, listen to this whole thing online if you missed even a moment of it. Go to SeattleSports.com, go to the Seattle Sports app, go to Apple Podcasts whole deal and uh, go download it all right kj thank you we'll talk next week let's do it there you go we'll be right back